0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Anchor the Dice Game. I'm here today to talk about beauty in board games. So, the first board game that ever caught my eye, the reason it caught my eye, was because of beauty. That game was Splendor. If you've ever seen the front of Splendor, that may not be the best indicator, but it certainly does look ornate. It's got, like, golden edges around the outside, and it's got a man on the front making gems, very, very, like setting a stone into jewelry, very, very precisely. And that game has a box that's way too big for its components, but inside it does have very, very nice, heavy-weighted poker chips, which are fantastic, a wonderful component. Seeing that made me get the game, and that was how I entered board games. Now, today I'm going to be talking about a different game, with an entirely different mechanic, entirely separate in every way. But, it is similar in that its box is way, way, way too big for its components. Like, seriously, it's a joke. Um, Not that the box is bigger than a normal board game box, just that the stuff inside could fit into a really small space if if they actually made an attempt. And also, it is beautiful. It is the most beautiful board game box on my entire shelf. And my shelf has over a hundred games and they are all beautiful. But this game, Sagrada, has a better box than all the rest. Now Sagrada, that is S-A-G-R-A-D-A. And the reason I spell it is because you need to Google it and you need to look at this box. You'll understand what I mean. It is a stained glass window and the sides are stained glass. It's all stained glass everywhere. It's pictures, of course, it's not actual glass. But it is stained glass, and the entire concept of the game is crafting stained glass windows. Now, this game, uh, the reason I was originally going to talk about it here on the channel, is because I want to be talking about some more games that are, For gamers, I've talked a lot about gateway games and games that anyone can play and should play with their families or their children. I decided to do Sagrada because it's the new hotness right now, everybody's really into it. However, uh, it's your lucky day because Sagrada just happens to be a game that you should be playing with your family because it's super simple, it's crazy simple. The entire mechanism is just... You take some dice out of a bag, you roll them, and you draft them. Drafting is a great mechanic. It's a really good way to introduce people to board gaming. Sushi Go is another popular beginner-rung sort of drafting game where you're drafting sushi. In this game, you are drafting some dice, and the dice are bits of your stained glass window. And it's like my friend Arsenio described it as... Sudoku, I would say that's not entirely inaccurate you are trying to I mean like it's definitely not Sudoku (laughs) no offense to Tarasenio, but I can see the resemblance you are trying to get the Dice into the correct orders to get the maximum points There will be a lot of point scoring cards out on the table Some of them private for just you to see some of them for everyone and these scoring cards You're going to have to look at them and say, so, I've got a draft dice so that I can score across. That will get me, um... If I score all different colors across, then that'll give me a bonus. If I score diagonals of the same color, that'll give me a bonus. If I score all unmatching numbers down a column, then that'll give me points. It's all about getting these points through lots of different point salad ways. I love point salad, it's a great mechanic, and I think it does really well here. Because you just draft the dice in a very simple, okay first person takes this one, oh now I take this one, oh I'll take this one then. It's immediately understandable, the rulebook is literally just a page that has been folded in half. <laughs> it's really cool. Very simple. The thing that actually makes it interesting is the dice manipulation is done with tools and you get the ability to use tools based on how hard you chose your window to be you can choose to have a really hard window and in exchange you get better dice manipulation tools that is crazy and awesome and i love it i like that you can be playing at a different level than anyone else i really like this game i think you should try it see ya Hey, Anchor the Dice Game, I wanted to briefly go back to Sagrada, because A, I didn't really give it a great shakedown last time, because I like to keep these snippets self-contained for anchor listening pleasure, and B, I didn't get to a second part, a second little think piece about it. Last time I talked about beauty, this time I'd like to talk about solitaire gaming. Solitaire gaming, when most people think of it, they think Oh, that's Klondike Solitaire, or Spider Solitaire, the game you play with a deck of 52 cards. That is, really, couldn't be farther from the truth. There are lots of other ways that you can play Solitaire, even with a deck. There's this great game I know, look it up, called Dungeon Solitaire, the Tomb of the Four Kings. It's a great game. You play it with a deck of 52 cards, just like Klondike, except it doesn't suck. (laughs) You can also play Dungeon Solitaire Labyrinth of Souls, which is the um, sequel, with a deck of um, tarot cards, which is really cool. Now, as for Sagrada, it also has a solitaire mode. In Sagrada, the solitaire mode is interesting in that you can only draft two things out of the four dice that you get, and the remaining two go on the round tracker to indicate that a round has passed. At the end of the game, every die that is on the round tracker, just whatever number is face-up, you score them all for an invisible opponent who drafted everything you didn't draft. If they get more points than you, they win, and you'd be surprised how easy it is for them to win, because your scoring mechanisms are nonsense things like getting incredibly difficult combos sideways and up and down, and specific colors but they just score everything for face value so it's much easier for them so it's a difficult challenge and often you will have to just give them a bunch of wands even if you really needed those wands to make your um, to make your set just because you can't afford giving them that many points it's a really fascinating system there are some other really great ways you can make a solitaire game happen there's new bedford which uses the common system where you create an AI that is somehow um, somehow it is allowed to give you semi-random outputs that tell it what to do so that you're playing against something that is mostly unpredictable but also quite predictable. That would be, um, in, for example, with New Bedford, what it does is you roll a die and it's got a wheel of things it could do and you move the wheel in the direction, just, uh, clockwise. That many spaces. So if you roll a two, you move it two spaces, and oh look, he's going to try to build a building. I find that fascinating, because there's, um, you can actually... I believe it's a special die that only rolls a one, two, or three. So you actually have a decent idea, but not a perfect idea, of what he's going to do next. Then there are games where... they are cooperative games, that technically any one person could do if they had enough hands. And so, the solitaire variant is just you control multiple people, or your hand of cards becomes bigger, and you are tasked with everything that multiple people would be performing. I haven't gotten into cooperative games very much on this channel, I'll leave a little note to self that I should do that. Games like Escape the Curse of the Temple and The Game, are you ready to play the game? That's its actual title. (laughs) Do things like this, also Pandemic, even though Pandemic is interesting in that it doesn't list that it has a solitaire variant, even though it very much does. There are lots of other really interesting solitaire systems that I'd love to get into. I think it's a very interesting thing that board, gaming, board games can accomplish for us. Now they'll never be quite as good as what video games do when you get down to um, playing by yourself, because board games just um, they have a little bit of a immersion dissonance when it comes to if you're not playing with somebody else the theme doesn't sink in as well because you aren't getting to go back and forth and say, I'm a pirate! No, I am a pirate! You're just sitting alone which I feel like a video game can put in enough audio and visual effects to circumvent the fact that you are alone whereas in a board game, it cannot. But some have been really effective recently. Mentions of Madness is one that uses an app to help with this problem. Maybe I'll talk about that in the future. See you guys! Hello everyone and welcome back to Anchor the Dice Game. I would like to talk today about two things that I briefly mentioned earlier. I'd like to talk about AI and I'd like to talk about cooperative games. I touched on both of these briefly before. Now when I brought up AI, I mentioned New Bedford, which uses an AI made of a die and a wheel. And I feel like, I don't know, it might have blown some people's minds because most people when they think about AI, they think about a computer that runs endless simulations and comes up with the this lifelike reality that moves around a person in a video game. But you can also have an AI that is made of dice and wheels and pen and paper. You can make an AI out of anything, because all that's required for an AI is that it is artificial, which goes without saying, and unintelligence. That is, it creates something that is not entirely random. It actually has some sort of process to it. So I'm going to be talking about the game Pandemic, It is a great example of a great cooperative game. It's very good for new people, which I say that a lot, but it's true. You will definitely enjoy it, unless you don't like cooperative games, but that's a separate issue I'll talk about at another time. Then there's AI. It does this in a really interesting way where most people wouldn't think of Pandemic as a game that has an AI, but it kind of does, and I'll explain why. In Pandemic, You are a special force of CDC agents, that is the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, which is where you will start the game in Atlanta. You'll be trekking all around the world in a action movie fashion, trying to track down all of the diseases and treat them and cure them. You'll need to cure all four of the crazy diseases that are destroying the planet. If the diseases take over too much you'll lose and the world will be over. But because this is a good family-friendly game, you will all be working together. There is no competitive element. You will all have to work together to track down these diseases and fix them and sort everything out and win the game. And winning the game means saving humanity. So In this game, the main mechanic is the fact that there's a deck of cards that represents all the cities that a disease can show up in. So you flip over a card, and it's Atlanta, and you have to put a cube on Atlanta. Then you flip over another one, and it's Jakarta. Or Istanbul. Or, um... Those are the extent of world capitals in my head at all. London! There you go. (laughs) Um... Actually, most of my knowledge of geography that I have ever learned, I learned from playing Pandemic, so that's a tip, pro tip, for teaching your kids geography. (laughs) So you'll be trekking around the world, and these cards will keep showing up and showing all these bad things that happen. Now, whenever an epidemic happens, you take all the cards that you've already flipped over and shuffle them up and put them on top of the deck. The parts of the deck you haven't touched yet stay the same, whereas the top now contains everything you've previously run into, reshuffled. This is an artificial intelligence in gaming, because it has given you a situation where now you have some idea, but not nearly enough of an idea, what's going to happen next. You know that it will only be cities that you have already encountered problems with for the next several, several turns. So you have some ideas, but you don't know what order they're going to take place in. This allows you to play against the board, the board that in a way is living, and you fight against it. It is a fascinating game, I highly recommend it for all ages and all groups. Some people don't like cooperative games because they think that people with really boisterous personalities can take them over. My tip on that is don't let them do it. Some people think that that's not a good enough excuse, but we can talk about it on the channel. Anyway, see you guys.